Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. There's all kinds of craziness going on out there. Joe Biden regrets he couldn't get Anita Hill a non-white man hearing. He attacks the white man culture. (laughs) Comments he made in support of segregation in the 70s. He said he was trying to uh, appease big donors. Shouldn't he be written off? I mean, isn't that what the left normally does? The media... Part of the resistance resists the idea that there was no collusion. That there was no collusion. We've got more talk about the Green New Deal. What do all these things have in common? What do all of these things have in common? They're talked about every single day in the media, aren't they, Mr. Producer? The left's agenda is supposed to be our agenda. The left's agenda is supposed to be our reality. And essentially, the way it's presented by the media, almost all the media, is this is the way it's going. We're going to tell you about it. These are the people for it. These are the people against it. And we are for it. Nothing is dismissed as insane or ridiculous. The Green New Deal, a catchy phrase all of a sudden, It's reported from sea to shining sea. Why? Are there no governors in newsrooms? Medicare for all, which we know means Medicare for nobody. It means an iron-fisted, centralized health care system like the rest of the lousy world has. Lousy health care. And yet it's pushed. It's promoted. Open borders, no walls, no barriers. What's that all about? Nobody does that, but suddenly that's a rational, mainstreamed argument. You'll find it in the Washington Post, the New York Times. You'll find it on virtually every network TV program, cable, most of it. Why? Well, I'm going to tell you a little story. I like to tell you little stories, if I may. I'm going to tell you a little story. As you know, George Washington... For you high schoolers out there who may not know, he was our first president. And there was a lot of fighting that occurred, infighting on his cabinet. Especially between Thomas Jefferson and Alexander Hamilton. Eventually, Jefferson would resign. He was so furious with the partisan attacks against him. And Hamilton wasn't thrilled with the partisan attacks against him so during the first term and particularly the second term of George Washington the media in the country 
changed a bit. From the pre-revolutionary press to the revolutionary press to the press during the constitutional period, and then what? Well, you still had relatively few newspapers, but you had many more than you had during the revolutionary period. They took sides. The newspapers would take sides, and this went on from about the, uh, up until the 1860s, into the 1860s. And so you'd have newspapers, like the National Gazette, which was prominently a Republican organ, as an example. And you would have newspapers, like the Gazette of the United States, which was mostly a Federalist, or Whig, I guess, newspaper. And you'd have Jefferson and his forces leaking to one newspaper and Hamilton and his forces leaking to another newspaper. This was all fairly well known. You had the party press. And they were very transparent about it. National Gazette was an unmistakable mouthpiece for the Republicans' views, that is, Jefferson and his supporters. And the Gazette of the United States was the mouthpiece for Alexander Hamilton and his, his old friend at the time, who had become an enemy over time, John Adams. So you would have these press outlets, these newspapers that would identify with a political party, with a candidate, with a cause. And this went on for decades. And Jefferson really hated the attacks that were leveled against him. They were very, very personal and very vicious. This is where some of the attacks occurred that he had had an affair and children with one of his slaves. Um, And that is an argument and a story that persists to this day. True or untrue, I have no way of knowing. But that's how it started. The Hamiltonians, his surrogates, attacked Jefferson. And so these newspapers were out in the open about who they supported, who they didn't support. This was considered a very low time for journalism, and yet they were very honest about it, weren't they? They were very honest about it. With Jefferson as president... One of the opposition newspapers said, murder, robbery, rape, adultery, and incest will be openly taught and practiced. The air will be rent with the cries of the distress. The soil will be soaked with blood and the nation black with crimes. Others attacked Jefferson's deist beliefs as the views of an infidel. The luckless John Adams was ridiculed from two directions, by the Hamiltonians within his own party and by the Jefferson Republicans, from the outside. As an example, writes Peter Onuf, University of Virginia professor, a private letter in which Hamilton depicted Adams as having great and intrinsic defects in his character, quote-unquote, was obtained by Aaron Burr and leaked to the national press, and it fueled the Republican attack on Adams as a hypocritical fool and tyrant. His opponents also spread the story that Adams had planned to create an American dynasty, by the marriage of one of his sons to the daughter of, the king, of king George the Third, of course that was false. 
And according to the unsubstantiated story, only the intervention of George Washington could change that. Yet the presidential campaign in 1828 between John Quincy Adams and his challenger Andrew Jackson considered probably the worst of the worst campaigns. And Jackson was ready to win the White House in 1828. In a bruising campaign, Quincy Adams supporters accused Jackson of being a military tyrant who used the presidency as a springboard for his own Napoleonic ambitions of empire. And they tried to bring skeletons out of his closet. But the most painful attack for Jackson was that on his wife, Rachel, her character, and their marriage. And of course, Quincy Adams was attacked too. But why am I telling you all this? Why does it matter? Because we had a party press back then. Different press outlets supporting one party or the other. What do we have today? Now these stories, again, they're in my book, Unfreedom of the Press. But they're not in there just to be interesting, which they are. They're very compelling. There's a lot of history. But why? Do we have a party press today? Do we have a party press today? The Washington Post, the New York Times, CNN, MSNBC, NBC, ABC, CBS, you name it. Do they represent a particular party and a particular ideology? Do they promote certain candidates and attack other candidates? The answer is yes. But the difference between then and now is we have a one-party press. A one-party press. What I call the Democratic Party press. That is why, day in and day out, we debate the issues that the Democrat Party promotes in the public square. The Green New Deal. Collusion. Impeachment, Medicare for all, that is government-run health care. On down the line, the agenda of the Democrat Party becomes the agenda of the Democrat Party press. And I spend a great deal of time explaining how this works. In addition to looking at history as a guide. In addition to looking at as history as a guide. That's what's become... In part, there's a lot more of the media. You know, back then, they even put editors and reporters, if you were president, on the payroll of the Postal Service. Now, why would they put editors and reporters on the payroll of the Postal Service, Mr. Producer? What was crucial? How did you get newspapers from one place to another? Delivery. The Postal Service. There was no other way. Jackson in particular was so furious with the way he was treated in the campaign of 1828 and as you know he in particular used the postal service to hire reporters and editors in particular so while today's editors and journalists are not on the payroll of the post office or other federal departments And they're not subsidized by political parties as newspapers were back then. 
the revolving door of journalists and their family members serving primarily in Democratic administrations, Democratic congressional offices and Democratic campaigns and vice versa is a fact. Their progressive ideology, their groupthink mindset is a fact. Those of you who pre-ordered Unfreedom of the Press, I'm telling you, you're going to enjoy this book. It's going to open your eyes. You're going to learn an enormous amount so you can help us save this republic. And those of you who pre-ordered, I want to thank you. On Amazon, we're already number eight. But you know what's irksome to me? Michelle Obama's number five. And I guarantee you she didn't even write her book. She's number five. Her chief of staff, former chief of staff at the White House, had a major role in obstructing and undoing a legitimate prosecution, or what was to be, in my view, of Jesse Smollett. By talking to, by speaking to, by trying to influence the Cook County State's attorney, Kim Fox. And Michelle Obama's former chief of staff at the White House runs something called Time's Up Legal Defense Fund. And she was lobbying, lobbying on behalf of Schmollett. And she succeeded, among others. Too bad they don't write a book about that. Unfreedom of the press is broken down into different chapters. News as political and ideological activism, chapter one. Chapter two, the early patriot press. Chapter three, the modern democratic party press. Chapter four, the real threat to press freedom. Chapter five, news, propaganda, and pseudo-events. Chapter six, the New York Times betrays millions. Chapter seven, the truth about collusion, abuse of power, and character. And the epilogue, the last chapter, a standardless profession. You can order it now, pre-order it, on Amazon.com. Any major, you know, bookstore has, uh, has a link out there you can order online, too. Uh, I intend to do everything I can to spread the word as widely as I can, but I'm only one human being. To draw attention to what's going on to the free press, this institution that belongs to us, and how bastardized it has become. So if you're interested in a journey through philosophy and history, but in particular, current events, if you want to know why things are the way they are, and who's responsible, and how we came to be in this particular point in our history, and what we can do about it, this book will be for you. Unfreedom of the Press. Amazon.com, any other major online ordering. It comes out officially on May 21. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens 
and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty. With more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit imprimus.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S dot Hillsdale dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. BigLeaguePolitics.com. It's an interesting new website. Former Michelle Obama Chief of Staff Tina Ketchum has now been exposed as the person who intervened with Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox to convince the judge to drop charges against hate hoaxer Jesse Smollett, a close friend of the Obama family. Tachin runs the Times Up Legal Defense Fund, as reported by NextShark. And by January, the fund, which focuses on sexual harassment advocacy, had raised more than $14 million. Disgraced hate crime hoaxer Jesse Smollett has long-standing ties to the Obamas. Cook County State's attorney Kim Fox is pulling a favor for the Obamas by getting their close friend Jesse Smollett off with no charges. George Soros' money largely helped put Fox in office. So, why are people questioning Michelle Obama? or Barack Obama, if they any knowledge about this. I mean, we're not talking about six degrees here. We're talking about their friendship, their friendship with Smollett. And this chief of staff to Michelle Obama, I seriously doubt she on her own was lobbying the prosecutor to go easy on Smollett. But our media have absolutely no interest in this. Why? For the reasons I just said. It's the Democratic Party media. That's not to say they won't do a negative story here and there. But as a whole, they won't do it. If Fox wants to be DA or go any further, she's going to have to kiss the Obama's ass, our source in Chicago. Tells BLP the Chicago Sun-Times just confirmed it. Fox's call to Johnson came after an influential supporter of the Empire actor reached out to Fox personally. Tina Tetchen a Chicago attorney and former chief of staff for former First Lady Michelle Obama, according to emails and text messages provided by Fox to the Chicago Sun-Times in response to a public records request. So Michelle Obama, Barack Obama, and their surrogate had a hand in this, ladies and gentlemen. Had a hand in this. Like they have a hand in everything, but they're able to get away with it because the media do not focus on them. I'll be right back. Folks, many of our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But sadly, many have lost their way. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse and instead peddle their moral and cultural relativism. 
Thankfully, there's Hillsdale College. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. And as Hillsdale enters its 175th year, their goal is simple and yet profound, to help students understand what is noblest and best in yourself and the world. Hillsdale College's liberal arts education and vibrant campus community help students form a foundation for the rest of their lives, a truly life-defining experience. So if you're looking for a college that prizes learning and values intellectual enthusiasm, where everyone shares a strong sense of meaning and purpose, welcome to Hillsdale College. Please visit hillsdale.edu slash admissions to plan a visit and learn more. That's hillsdale.edu slash admissions. Plastic conservative fire. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. Soon to be... The media's public enemy number one, you're listening to The Mark Levin Show. I'm in their top ten list, but I'll be public enemy number one. It's just a matter of time, come May 21st. So I need you, all you Levinites out there, to be prepared too. Now, what's happened here? What's happened here now is that the media have unleashed unleashed the most outrageous damnable vicious personal attack on a president that this nation has ever seen ever seen they are hell bent Mueller or no Mueller collusion or no collusion obstruction or no obstruction the destroying this man who you voted for president. And they are not going to stop. Despite the admonitions from people like Britt Hume, Ted Koppel, and others, who've been in this business for half a century, and who look and say, whoa, 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 boys, you might want to cool it. No, they're not going to cool it, because Jeff Motherzucker, he's the new model. Says he's proud of what's been done. The morning schmo. He's proud of what's been done. They're proud that they spent two and a half years on collusion and the fact that there's no collusion. It's okay. New York Times top editor said we're proud of what we've been doing. They're proud of it. Washington Compost, same thing. Had a columnist the other day. I read some of them. They're very proud of what they've done. proud of it when you listen to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez she reflects the media mindset when you hear them pushing these radical agendas those agendas are also the agendas of the media that's their reality and they seek to make it our reality and what you're going to learn in the next few months is this distinction between seeking objective truth, which was the view of journalists a little over 100 years ago, and this seeking social activism through what they call public policy or community journalism. 
And you can see this, and we're going to talk about this, although not this evening. This has been going on for 20 or 30 years. These are social activist warriors. That's what a Jake Tapper is. That's what a Don Lemon is. I mean, not particularly bright, don't get me wrong. And so they are not going to permit actual information to dislodge their positions. And this goes back some time. As I explain in the book, you have Ben Bradley covering up for John Kennedy. You have much of the Washington media covering up for Lyndon Johnson. Most of the Washington media covering up for Franklin Delano Roosevelt. They couldn't cover up for Clinton because at this point conservative media, whether it was the American Spectator and other entities, wouldn't permit it. Matt Drudge in the blue dress, he wouldn't allow the Washington Post to spike the story. In the end, they had no choice. But they sought to cover it up. They sought to cover up the Juanita Broderick rape. The abuse against Kathleen Willey. Attacks on other women. They sought to cover it up. They pushed hard against the Scafe Foundation and against others. They pushed hard against people who broke the stories. They sought to break them. But in the end, they failed. But they tried. You're going to learn more about Ben Bradley in the Washington Post and Newsweek, how they covered up for Kennedy. How Bradley knew that Kennedy was using FBI files against his opponents. The extent to which Lyndon Johnson and Kennedy used IRS tax returns against their opponents. And the greatest abuser was Franklin Roosevelt. How he went after Andrew Mellon, the Treasury Secretary under Calvin Coolidge, and tried to destroy him. Even when the experts within the IRS and the Treasury Department were telling him they didn't have a case, FDR said, get him. And he wouldn't be happy until Mellon was in prison. Well, it never happened because Mellon was an innocent man. But he paid a dear price. You'll see how FDR went after Huey Long. He was concerned about Huey Long as a major competitor. Huey Long was very much the demagogue, the left-wing populist. He was very concerned about him. He was also crooked, and he unleashed the IRS against him and his friends. And Huey Long knew it. He knew he was targeted by the IRS, by Franklin Roosevelt. But before that came to an end, he was assassinated. As many of you know. Richard Nixon would be impeached among the reasons that impeachment charges, I should say, were drawn against Nixon. One of them was his use of the IRS against his political opponents. What you'll also learn in this book is he inherited that, using the IRS that way, from Johnson and Kennedy. But he was treated differently. He was punished for it. Johnson and Kennedy were not. There's an enormous amount of information out there that has not been pulled together. Our media 
is thoroughly corrupt, and it has been for decades. There are a relative handful of exceptions, and a very few institutions, that is newsrooms, that aren't. But the strongest among them, the biggest among them, are corrupt. Absolutely, thoroughly, completely corrupt. Well, they want you to believe they're objective, or they seek to report the news. You may get some news, but that's almost an exception and a mistake and a rarity. And one of the things we tackle in this book is, well, what do we mean by news? What is news? And what is journalism? And what is a newsroom? What does all that mean? And you'll see they have associations that put out standards and policies, which are not followed. So we get into that from an intellectual and scholarly point of view, and we get into the nitty-gritty. We get our hands dirty, too. As I said, I believe this book will be akin to liberty and tyranny. It'll be up to you to determine its impact, <clears throat> but I believe the impact will be felt. Uh, I've done everything I can to make it bulletproof because I know that I will come under a withering attack. And that's okay. I can handle it. I'm a big boy. I don't know how Michelle Obama is number five on the Amazon list. I, 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 I don't even understand what the hell she's done. Mark, you're jealous. I'm not jealous in the least. I speak how I think, what I'm feeling. She won't stay there because of you. Because of my audience. You're smart. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Have you ever wished you knew more about how politics and our Constitution work? Could you explain the key differences between capitalism and socialism? Wish you knew more about American history? Well, I have good news for you. It's not too late to learn no matter how busy you are or how long it's been since you've been in college or high school. And you can do it for free. Because my friends at Hillsdale College, as a service to our country, have free online courses that provide a taste of the core curriculum that every Hillsdale College student takes. The core that teaches us how to think critically and act virtuously. And it can help you, too. Getting started is very simple. Just sign up for one or more of Hillsdale's most popular online courses for free. And you can learn whenever you like. Visit online.hillsdale.edu right now. That's online.hillsdale.edu. Join right now and you'll be on your way to a rich, meaningful education. Again, that's online.hillsdale.edu. CNN and MSNBC ratings plummet. Fox News triumphs in wake of no collusion. This is at the American Thinker, a wonderful website, by Peter Barry Chalcott, who I don't know, but he writes really good columns. And the point of his piece is this. Maybe people are getting sick of CNN and MSNBC. They've come up with a business model, he explains. They've come up with a business model that uh, appeals to a certain niche niche group within our uh, politics, which is the kook left. And in the past, this has helped them. It's helped them get their ratings up. CNN, ladies and gentlemen, was dying. Was dying. And they moved hard left. And they became provocative. They became controversial. So their ratings went up. 
Their advertisers increased. Their profits went up. This is why Jeff Motherzucker is so excited. This is why he claims this is good stuff. We wouldn't change a thing. This is why he has uh, blowhards and puppets like Stelter and others on his uh, fledgling network. Their ratings are awful, but they were actually worse a few years back. Same with MSNBC. MSNBC had no purpose. MSNBC had no purpose. It was aimless. And then it too decided, let us hire the biggest names in kookdom. The most insane, radical, incoherent, illiterate individuals we possibly can. And that's what they did. And so they built an audience around that. They built a business around that. They are not about to abandon this model. If they abandon this model, they will cease to effectively exist. And yet, as this excellent piece in the American Thinker says, they're really caught. They're really caught. Because their model, at least over the weekend, when the real reporting occurred, when the big reporting occurred, failed. Nobody tuned into CNN and MSNBC to hear about their quote-unquote news reporting when it came to the Mueller report. Nobody. Very few. So what do they do now? They double down. They've got nowhere else to go. They lash out against Fox. They lash out against the president. They lash out against Republicans. They lash out against me and people like me. Holding on, barely, to as much as audience that they can, that they can husband. The question is, how much longer can they do this? Well, they'll keep doing it. Didn't stop the New York Times. The New York Times was going broke. In steps a billionaire from Mexico. The Washington Post was going broke. In steps Amazon's billionaire. You know where the best reporting is, I've decided? Local news. Doesn't mean all hosts, all reporters are good. I'm not saying that. This isn't on all or nothing. But to me, at least most of the best reporting in journalism is local news. You want to know why? It's not 24-7. It's not 24-7. You have news programs interspersed between and around other programming. Other programming. So maybe I'll have an hour local newscast in the evening, maybe another one at 10 or 11 p.m. at night. You'll have two or three hour local, if that long, morning news programming. And people want to know. They want to know the boring stuff, quote unquote. They want to know about traffic. They want to know about the weather. They want to know what's going on in their schools. They want to know about crime in their areas. They want to know about successful businesses. They want to know about businesses that are closing. They want to know about this bridge and that road and so forth. For the most part, and it's not just theoretical, but in reality, local news is exactly what is intended by freedom of the press. I'm just telling you the truth. Think about it and look at it. That's where most, not all, and not in every case, 
but most of the real journalism occurs that affects your life. When's the last time CNN did an in-depth story on Russia? I'm not talking about collusion. Russia, Putin. I mean, if anybody's colluding with the Russians, it's CNN and MSNBC. They're not reporting on what Putin is doing in terms of building up his military. They barely touch on the fact that Putin sent a couple of big jets into a, into, or a cargo uh, 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 planes into Venezuela. Over 100 troops. They're not reporting on the threat of China. They're not reporting on the threat of Iran. They barely report on North Korea anymore. If you're going to be a national news operation, these are things that matter. But they don't report on that. They are spoon-fed and spoon-feed politicians, Democrats, on inside-the-beltway priorities, like getting rid of the President of the United States, like making sure another constitutionalist isn't on the Supreme Court, like making sure we have open borders, like making sure the Green New Deal, which is really a Red New Deal, is promoted, dumbed down, so people begin to get used to it, just like climate change and so forth. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to move on. We've got a lot to talk about. There's a lot going on out there. No other place to be than right here, and we'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Joe Biden. Is Joe Biden presidential material? I think this man is humiliating himself. I think he truly is. The guy's well into his 70s. He's had a long and relatively pathetic career. He's always wanted to be president. But look look how these people conduct themselves who want to be president. They reverse course. They, they deny what they've said in the past or they apologize profusely. I want you to listen to Joe Biden and tell me if your opinion of him has gone up or down. Even those of us who cannot stand the guy, just tell me. If your opinion of him has gone higher or lower, he has said some amazing things in the last 24 hours. Let's listen to this. He's had a Courage Awards ceremony. A Courage Awards ceremony. Count one, go. A really notable woman, Anita Hill, a professor, showed the courage of a lifetime talking about her experience being harassed by Clarence Thomas. We knew a lot less about the extent of harassment back then, over 30 years ago. But she paid a terrible price. Let's stop right here. This is how they rewrite history. She didn't pay a terrible price. She became famous. She got a professorship. She's loved throughout left-wing kookdom. She's loved in Hollywood. They did a movie that included her and so forth. She, she suffered nothing. Zero. It's Clarence Thomas who suffered. It's Ginny Thomas who suffered. It's the truth and justice that suffered. That was another setup job, a pre Kavanaugh job, for those of you too young to understand. So, this is what the left does they rewrite history, and with the help of the media, they rewrite history. 
But let's continue. Go ahead. Abuse through the hearing. She was taken advantage of. Her reputation was attacked. I wish I could have done something. I opposed Clarence Thomas' nomination. I voted against him. But I also realized there was a real and perceived problem the committee faced. There were a bunch of white guys. No, I mean it sincerely. A bunch of white guys hearing, hearing this testimony. This, this, is, this just sickens me. Absolutely sickens me, this race-baiting stuff. And honestly, in order to get the nomination of the Democrat Party, you've got to talk this way. You have to race bait. We're a bunch of white guys, white guys. So Ted Kennedy was just a white guy. And Orrin Hatch was just a white guy. And all these people are just white guys. They couldn't think for themselves. They didn't have different backgrounds, experiences, points of view, none of that sort of thing. Just white guys. Well, Clarence Thomas wasn't a white guy. And he strongly objected to and strongly defended himself against the defamatory attacks that Anita Hill threw at him without a scintilla of evidence of any kind. Another setup job. We were just a bunch of white guys, he says. So why does he want to run for president? Is he still a white guy? Why do all these white guys who keep denouncing white guys want to run for president? Shouldn't they be excluded by their own assertions? But this plays into the radical race theme of the hard left, the identity politics. We were just a bunch of white guys. Now, there's a lot of us white guys out there, and we have white kids and white grandkids, and we don't much appreciate this. We're American citizens. We pay our taxes. We do our jobs. We follow the law. We don't bother anybody. We don't hurt people because of their race or their religion or whatever. We're American citizens. We participate in the system. A bunch of white guys. Pretty sickening that this is how you have to talk or you think you have to talk if you're a white guy who wants to be nominated in the modern Democrat Party, which used to love white guys and hate black guys, as I seem to recall. This is a party saturated in racism, soaked in racism. Pre-Civil War, during the Civil War, post-Civil War, and today. Just listen to him. Go ahead. Committee. So when Anita Hill, when Anita Hill came to testify, she faced a committee that didn't fully understand what the hell it was all about. Yeah, the committee fully understood what the hell it was all about. You kooks on the left tried to destroy Clarence Thomas. Notice he doesn't say it was a bunch of white guys passing judgment on a black guy by the name of Clarence Thomas. Have you noticed that? He said he voted against Clarence Thomas. Did you vote against Clarence Thomas? The liberals on that committee because there were a bunch of white guys who didn't understand Clarence Thomas? No, 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 no. It only applies to liberals, you see. It only applies to liberals. I am telling you, if Martin Luther King could see this, he would be absolutely appalled and disgusted. At least that's my view, if you believe what he said and you believe what he wrote. A colorblind society? Everything's in, in color. Everything's in color. Go ahead. To this day, I regret I couldn't come up with a way to get her the kind of hearing she deserved. You see, he was sitting there, the low IQ Joe Biden, who barely got out of law school. 
trying to figure out way back then he was so ahead of the time that we white guys, how can I get her the kind of hearing she deserves? Because all of us white guys on the committee, we, we, we didn't know what we're dealing. We don't know. To, and I tried and I tried and I couldn't come up with an idea on how to do it. Go ahead. Given the courage she showed by reaching out to us, the hearing she deserved was a hearing where she was respected, where the tone of the questioning was not hostile and insulting, where the fact that she stepped forward was recognized as an act of courage in and of itself. Because let's face it, back in 1991, it took a while. Is he eating food while he's talking or or his dentures coming loose? Why does he keep uh, licking his chops? Like he just had, you know, a steak sandwich or something. Go ahead. To take on a man who was so much. Ah, shut up, you idiot. You've always been an idiot, and you always will be an idiot. Look at you spinning and everything else. You'll do anything for the nomination, you'll do anything to be president. You've been stupid a long time, Joe Biden, but he's not done. Cut to, Mr. Producer. Go. I realize I get a little too passionate about this sometimes, but we all have an obligation to do nothing less than change the culture in this country. Can you you see the idiots that we're being led by or who seek to lead us? The absolute buffoons, the clowns. We got to change our culture. The most diverse society on the face of the earth. The most beneficent and tolerant society on the face of the earth. Where people of color, as we like to to term other people, where people of color are flooding into this country because we have to change our culture, you see. Now what shall we change our culture to? What should we do with our culture, ladies and gentlemen? What, What should we do? When you hear a fool like this, of course then you don't want people to assimilate into this culture because we got to change our culture. Systemic racism. Systemic racism. Where people south of the border are pouring into our country, they would pour into our country in the millions because they want to be part of a culture that is systemically racist, apparently. Unlike their own wonderful cultures, from which they escape, from which they'll go thousands or hundreds of miles to come to the United States. Escaping their culture for our culture. And then they come into the United States and they hear jackasses like this about our country. Sexist and racist. Who the hell wants to assimilate into a culture like that? I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen. But if I'm a Democrat, I want a candidate who's uplifting. I want a candidate who's saying good things about our country, good things about the American people, good things about what we've accomplished. Not government, government programs, redistribution of wealth. The American people, day in and day out. You don't hear a damn thing about it. Every man is a sexist. Every man has sexually harassed somebody. Every white person is a racist. They go on and on and on. Every minority needs welfare. Just listen to these people. Listen to them. Every kid's choking on air. Every pond of water is polluted. (coughs) Excuse me. 
All they do is rip us, rip us as Americans, regardless of our color or anything. They just rip us. They stereotype us. They categorize us. They tribalize us. This is a sick party. And it's getting sicker by the day. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. stuff that these people say let's listen to Joe Biden on PBS 1970s 1970s where Joe Biden was defending segregation he was defending segregation it's amazing defended segregation and Barack Obama chose him as his running mate how come that didn't come up any time during that campaign, either of those campaigns? Where were uh, Paul Ryan's opposition research people? But you see, that was then and this is now, and now he's he's questioning his whiteness. If we follow this party, the Democrat Party, ladies and gentlemen, we're all going to go to hell. I'm telling you the truth. They are doing everything they can to tear this country to pieces. By race, by income, by age. They are trying to tear this country to pieces. Turn us against each other. And through all that, through all the chaos and anarchy, they hope to, uh, they hope to come to power permanently. Destroy all the protections in the Constitution, whether it's the Electoral College or whatever. They want to fix the system. Because after all, they're democratic socialists, you know. Democratic Socialists, proud of it. I don't know which is worse, Democratic or Socialist, quite frankly. It's like the Washington Redskins. The embarrassing part of that is the Washington part, as I've said over and over again. Joe Biden, cut three, go. Senator, I'm sure that that you would agree that that your service in the Senate up to this point has, has not reflected any particular concern for the larger contributors? Well, the fortunate thing is I didn't have many larger contributors. And the only reason, see, I went to the big guys for the money. I was ready to prostitute myself in the the manner in which I talk about it. But what happened was they said, come back when you're 40, son. And so I had to go out. By the way, this is PBS in the 1970s. Go ahead. Number of small contributors. Well, I, I, I think we're all grateful, Senator. You didn't take no for an answer. <laughs> but, but, Senator, aren't you a living example? Of, I am of an anachronism. Way- I'm a 29-year-old oddball. The only reason I was able to raise the money is I was able to have a national constituency to run for office. Because I was 29, I'm like the token black or the token woman. I was the token young person. He was a token, ladies and gentlemen. He's certainly not a token idiot because there's lots and lots of idiots in that party now. Can't we do better than this, America? Even the Democrat Party. Can't the Democrat Party do better than this? Joe Biden has, has been leading in the polls. It's way too early, of course. But the reports are he's looking at Stacey Abrams of Georgia. Stacey Abrams is a nut. I say that with all due respect, of course. Joe Biden is a nut, and he became vice president of the United States. 
Stacey Abrams. Just a radical kook from Georgia. I don't know if she still has admitted that she lost that race for, the, for uh, governor. Who knows? Who cares? She gave a uh, <clears throat> response to the president's State of the Union speech. They were saying it was the greatest speech ever given even before she gave it. That would be the dummy Joe Scarborough. The dummy, uh, the dummy pair there. No offense. All due respect. What do you make of this, ladies and gentlemen? He really worked hard to make that Senate Judiciary Committee with all those white men. You know, to make it work for Anita Hill. There were two black people, two African Americans. Anita Hill and Clarence Thomas. He didn't care about all those white men dealing with Clarence Thomas. He only cared about all those white men dealing with Anita Hill. Why is that? Is this healthy, this discussion, ladies and gentlemen, for America? Is it healthy to hear Joe Biden's talk like this? And all the Democrats talk like this? To have lightweights, cowards like Joe Biden, lightweights, cowards like Beto O'Dork? I mean, these are pathetic. You got uh, Bernie Sanders out there. Bernie Sanders is a Marxist and he's self-hating Jew. That's right, I said it, because it's damn well true. Calls Omar, the bigot anti-Semite, and tells her to stand strong. Stand strong for what? For what? Anti-Semitism? Look at this party. Listen to these fools. And you know what? It all inures to Donald Trump's favor. See, the media will never call Joe Biden a race-baiting nutjob, which is exactly what he is. They'll never call Omar an anti-Semite nutjob, which is exactly what she is. But they'll take honest, innocent statements the president make, makes and try and turn him into a mental patient. Wow, we need to look at the 25th Amendment. They don't even know what the 25th Amendment says. They haven't even read it. They don't read for comprehension, that's for sure. I remember watching, and you do too, we talked about it. The morning schmo and the rest of them go on about the 25th Amendment. Maybe that's the course. Maybe that's the course. They don't even understand that it is harder to remove a president under the 25th Amendment than under the impeachment clause. They don't even understand it. Maybe I shouldn't tell them. Two-thirds of the House. They're never going to get two-thirds of the House. didn't matter. we got to keep talking about it, that the president's sick and he's mentally ill. They ought to use it. That way, you know, we can beat him down on the 25th Amendment for the 2020 election. Just like last August, it showed the president. It was either Pew or Gallup there, Paul. The president was making real gains in the African-American community, 21% popularity rate. This is unheard of. And so what did they decide to do? Bring out the race baiters. Beat him down on race. Race, race. He's against black people. How's he against black people? Or any people? Remember Charlottesville. You remember it. Two, three weeks ago, I read you the entire transcript of what the president said. Not once did he side with the neo-Nazis or the Klan. In fact, he denounced them over and over and over again. But it's not enough. 
The Democrat Party that had Bob Byrd as the majority leader of the Senate lecturing. It's just incredible. I'll be right back. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickhouseLevin.com, that's BrickhouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickhouseLevin.com, BrickhouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. The new American Revolution starts here. The Mark Levin Show. Call in at 877-381-3811. All right, our friends at the Media Research Center. And my good friend Brent Bozell at the Media Research Center is planning a trip I think you should consider signing up for. It's going to be fabulous. It's going to be relaxing and fun and exhilarating all at the same time. They're going to the Mediterranean for an 11-day cruise starting on September 13th. Don't you need that? Shouldn't you give yourself a gift, you and your spouse or your significant other? You can get all the details at mrccruise.com by calling 888-MRC-TRIP. 888-MRC-TRIP. The trip starts and ends in Rome. And you'll go to Greece. You'll see ports in Greece and Turkey and so forth. It's the perfect time of year to visit these places. Look, I wish I could go. But somebody has to stay back. It's like the State of the Union speech. I'm like the Secretary of HUD. Now, a lot of good friends of mine will be there, including Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, Cal Thomas, Jason Chavitz, Joe Piscopo, our buddy Terry Jeffrey at CNS News, one of my favorite news sites. They'll be announcing others soon, too. And you can see the full list at MRCCruise.com. Now, why do you need to do this now? Because they run out of space. That's why. They run out of space. And by the way, you'll get plenty of access to their speakers during dinner, receptions, Q&A sessions. You'll get to meet over 100 patriots who love our country as much as you do. All the details are available at mrccruise.com or by calling 888-MRC-TRIP. 888-MRC-TRIP. Again, they sold out last year, and they sold out quickly. So if you think you want to go, don't put it off. And now you can also get the best cabins, too, at the best prices. It's like anything else. You want to jump in now before everybody else does. That's mrccruise.com, or give them a call, 888-MRC-TRIP, 888-MRC-TRIP. All right, let's jump in, ladies and gentlemen. Ray Livermore, California, the great KSFO. Go. Yes, Ray, how may I help you? Is Ray gone, Mr. Call Screener, somebody? 
Let's go to Frank, Pompton Lakes, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Ashley Denali, how you doing? <laughs> I'm all right. Mega how are you? Very good. Mega meatballs all the time, my friend. You got it, baby. Hey, uh, I just wanted to throw out there, um, the, the thing about the, the Smollett guy, right, and the, the Trump situation. How come Trump conveniently is left out of that whole conversation uh, with the superintendent and the ballerina? It's all about a black guy on Chicago. What about the black guy on the Trump and Trump voters? I don't hear that part. You know what I'm talking about? I think what you're trying to say is they used Trump as a foil. They said that basically these these alleged white guys who did these racist things to Smollett were Trump supporters. And how come that's not discussed? And that's a very good question. And we know why, don't we? Well, of course. I mean, it's obvious. It's just uh, it's pretty frustrating. And uh, I'm like, uh, you know, I'm going crazy. But, yeah, what are you going to do? Uh, now you're now you're uh, a trucker. Where where's your home base? My home base is out of East Rutherford, New Jersey. Yeah, and uh, you uh, drive all over the country. No, no, no. I'm uh, local, local in um, a metropolitan area, New York, New Jersey, PA. That's bad enough. Trust me, with the yeah. roads and the tunnels and the bridges and all that, I can't stand it. You don't got to tell me, brother. <laughs> but I love it. And it costs like seven hundred and twelve dollars just to get through the damn tunnel. Uh, the bridge, uh, the PA Turnpike, yeah, the Jersey Turnpike, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's outrageous, but, uh, you know, it's the Northeast. What are you going to do? What are you, you going to do? It's a good question, oh, Frank. But, yeah, man, but, uh, Mark, you are, like, the greatest. Uh, I've been with you since, like, uh, what was it, Sunday afternoon or Sunday night? That was that Sunday one? afternoons. That's how I with, started. You're I, right. I think with Monica Crowley was either before you. I, I don't remember. It was such a long time ago. Uh, you You remember better than I do. Yeah, I think I, I, you know, it's such a long time ago, but, um, you but you're, are, you're right. I started out Sundays, 12 to two on WABC, uh, program director wanted, he figured if you can do well from 12 to two on Sundays, man, we may have something and we hit it out of the park. Right. I hit the, I heard the promos when, you know, from Rush doing yeah. his commercial. Right. You know, uh, and of course him, you know, he obviously, she spoke about you, you know, F. Lee, F. Lee, and, you know, you got to listen to him. And then Not anymore. Like, I don't hear about F. Lee anymore. <laughs> well, All right, Frank. Thank you, buddy. I'm glad you've been with us that long. That's very, very kind of you. Was it 2002, Rich? And it's now 12, 17 years ago. Oh, my Lord. And I remember I had no uh, no experience. I mean, when you can start out on the biggest radio talk station in America... On Sundays, I mean, you grab it. And they said, no, look, we can't pay you. The general manager doesn't want to pay you. I said, I'll try it. And I used to go down to the ABC headquarters on DeSalle Street in Washington, D.C. to do it. And there were a number of reporters there who were very nice, old-time reporters. Most of them were not radical left-wing kooks like you see today. They were liberals, but they were professionals. You know, they tried to be as objective as they could. Sometimes they failed. But that's different than what we have today. Radical leftists who want you to know they're radical leftists. Like a Jim Acosta would never have made it at ABC back in those days. No way. And guys like Jake Tapper used to work at ABC. They would have been considered third-tier lightweights. Even in the old liberal media, they would have been considered third-tier lightweights. I know I was around these guys and gals. Let us go to Don Whitting, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Uh, good evening, Mark. Pleasure yes, to speak sir. with you again. 
Thank you, Doug. Uh, I'm just I'm going to order that book as soon as we get off the phone. It looks great. Thank you. One thing I wanted to mention, I heard you speaking about CNN and MSNBC, Washington Post, etc., how few people buy the papers or listen, but you're overlooking the big place where everybody sees them, and Mm -hmm. that is like on Microsoft News, Google, you go on Mm -hmm. their home pages, and you see all of their articles on there, so... Nobody maybe reads them. I don't read them ever, but I see their stories every single day. Oh, you're right. You're exactly That's right. That's a big problem. Mm-hmm. Not that, you know, the circulation obviously stinks. Yeah. But and these pl- people lie about it. They say they use algorithms and it's all chance, <laughs> which is utter garbage. <laughs> they pick all of these left-wing articles, and when you go, you know, I turn on my computer and it automatically goes to Microsoft homepage. Mm-hmm. Every one of these left-wing articles is there. Well, you're right. You're right, Don. I appreciate your call. No question about it. He's saying, and he's right, their audience is bigger than the actual ratings indicate because they're given a step up by these uh, behemoth Internet corporations. He's right. David Superior, Wisconsin, the great WDSM. Go. Hey, thanks for taking my call, Mark. Of course. We're uh, pre-ordering your new book. Thank and you. And I just wanted to do a uh, um, proud, not shameless, plug for your other books. People have to read everything you've written. I want to talk about white guys in a minute here. But Rediscovering Amanda, America, Plunder and Deceit, Ameritopia, um, uh, men in black, liberty and tyranny. I mean, these, these, you know, I got to, first of all, I got to say, I'm not a, a, a paid caller. Okay. We listen to you because you educate us. My wife and I are trying to get our 10 kids and our eight grandkids. Oh, 10 kids? They're younger. You have 10 kids? Ten wow. Kids. How do you have time Who to listen to the radio? Kids? What? Two adopted, but they're kids, you know, nonetheless. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, praise the Lord. And listen, you know, um, we we lost a great man. Uh, most, both my parents now have passed. We lost a great man and your dad. But, yeah. you know, having gained a, gained a great assets for us uh, simple folk down here that still have to breathe and eat and sleep and you know what else. Yeah. So, Mark, <laughs> this is... I don't want to ask what else, but go ahead. Exactly. This I mean, you're a guy with eight uh, biological kids and and, uh, and two adopted kids. You know what else better than I do. Anyway, go ahead. Many a diaper. Yes. You know, and and um, uh, one was born at home too. So, and I delivered that puppy. Really? So, yeah, it was great. It was awesome. All right. Man. Yeah. Yeah. You got a lot let more me, guts me, than I do. Tell you, you know, sometimes going into a situation. And being kind of not, I mean, I did all, I mean, I I practiced my episiotomies on a pork chop, okay? And I did all the things that a guy needs to do to know, but until you're there, you're not there. So Mm. let me just, let me, let me talk about white guys for a second, because I'm a white guy. You're a white guy. There's a lot of white guys. Actually, I'm an olive guy. A lot of black guys. I'm I'm an olive guy. An olive guy. Yes, yes. All right. Uh, I guess I am too, actually. My mom was... Uh, Italiano. My my dad was uh, Dutch, but yeah, you're probably uh, quasi, you're quasi olive, quasi quasi olive. Yeah, yes, like that. yes. So so the deal is that well, first of all, we know that Joe Biden, mm-hmm. um, and to use one of Trump's uh, famous uh, President Trump's famous 
close. By, by the way, you know why Biden focuses on the color of your skin and not the content of his character? Do you know why? Why, do you, why is that? Because there is no content in his character. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so he has to focus on the color of your skin. Dude, for sure. Anyway, you know, go ahead. The, the low IQ Joe Biden mm. or the low energy Jeb Bush. Mm. I mean, you know, <laughs> you. I was not. I was not a Trump supporter. My wife, my my beloved, beautiful wife, Michelle Catherine. Yes. Um, yes. Who has also been MK. Uh, we like to call. Yeah, MK. MK. Yes. MK. Yeah. Who's also been removed for two years because Trump retweeted her, and oh really? And Twitter removed her. Yeah. Twitter removed her. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to give a shameless plug for her mm. Twitter account because it's down anyway. Mine's down. Our mm. company accounts are, are down. I mean, the Twitter verse is obnoxious. And I got – anyway, let me get back to this white guy. Yes, yes. The, the, this, this – Go for it, baby. Every in single <laughs> individual – here, regardless, if you if you go on to YouTube and you watch all of the people of color, any color, white, black, brown, olive, right, right, that right. support Trump, you know that the Jim Acostas of the world, the uh, the people in the Acostic Kingdom, the low IQ people of the world, are drones, and you know what? I don't. I don't think you do either. We don't look at color. We look at content of character. Mm -hmm. I mean, what greater man could there have been than to announce that? Mm -hmm. He was so good. I mean, he had his foibles, as all men do, all women do. Mm -hmm. He was so good. No, 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 not women, had... only men. Only men. Well, oh, only men, okay. So, only white Christian straight men, as a matter of fact. My wife is listening to this in the yes. Taking a bath, so she's probably. I just. Heard oh, what? Your now. wife's taking a bath right now. Right, probably right now. Yeah. So I can't answer. You know, you used to say on the radio years ago, <laughs> "What are you wearing?" <laughs> Get up yes, I did until yeah. I got remarried, and I was told uh, you better not do that. <laughs> That's funny. That's the reason why I'm, I was. I was always wondering why. So you your wife's taking a bath. Okay. It's we got funny. that. Yes. Yeah, it's good. Bada bing, bada boom. Uh, all so, right. By, by by the way, I have to go soon. Let me ask you a question. You say bada bing. This is a really weird question. I'm watching this, these commercials for this, whatever it is, and the guy keeps saying bada bing, bada boom, or something or other. Why, why does he keep saying that? About. Why does he keep saying that on a commercial? Do you know? I think because they're trying to simplify. But, you know, commercials have gotten so... This but is what does it mean? It means nothing, right? He's trying to simplify. Yes, he's trying. Yeah, it's good. It's He's going bada bing, bada boom. I'm saying, yeah, you out the door. I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. Bada bing. All right, my friend. Hey, listen, I enjoyed talking to you. Call back, okay? All right, I will. God bless. Rich, what does that mean? A Jersey thing? Well, it's a big country out there. I don't think people in New Jersey know what the hell's going on either. It's a weird commercial. I keep turning to fast. Bada bing, bada. What, what is this for? I hate this commercial. At least it's not an erectile dysfunction commercial, or ED, I think they like to call it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. A recent 
recent study shows Americans are sleeping less than ever, even though lack of sleep ruins your <clears throat> performance and impacts your relationships. Well, I've got some good news because how you sleep at night is all the folks over at Bowlin Branch think about. That's right. They want you to get the best night's sleep possible, so they created the softest, most comfortable, 100% pure organic cotton sheets in the world. I know this to be true because we have them, and we love them. Absolutely true. Hundreds of thousands of Americans sleep better, thanks to Bolin Branch. And same with the handful of presidents who have them. All of their products, from the signature soft sheets to the cozy throw blankets to their blush towels, are designed with you in mind and made the right way, not the easy way. And they want you to love your Bolin Branch purchase. And by the way, I really think you will. So here's the deal. They give you a 30-day risk-free trial. Who's ever heard of a 30-day risk-free trial on sheets? Well, now you have. And Bola Branch is offering you, my listeners, $50 off your first set of sheets plus free shipping at BolandBranch.com with promo code MARK. How to use the promo code MARK. I want you to go to B-O-L-L and Branch.com, promo code MARK, for 50 bucks off. That's BolandBranch.com, promo code MARK. BolandBranch.com, promo code M-A-R-K. You know how to spell that. Tom, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, XM Satellite. Go. Hey, Mark. Long time listener, first time caller. Thank you, sir. But you know what? With the media, you know, there is collusion, Mark. There really is collusion. You want to know what collusion is? Yes. Collusion is the big tech companies and the media railroading conservatives on YouTube, Facebook, Google, I was reading an independent research study done by a pretty respectable psychologist that during the midterm on the last election, that Google was purposefully burying search results on on conservatives in our wonderful, you know, little purple, they like to call them or whatever districts to favor the Democrats and their reporting. And he came up with the fact that it affected some 70 million votes. You want to know why the House flipped in the last election? Because Google, Facebook, and Twitter are all working with the left-wing crackdown. Hold on, hold on one second, Tom. Mr. Producer, when I first posted yesterday the first link, <clears throat> excuse me, folks, to my new book with the word boom on there, which is a typical word, it's the word in the Internet world for breaking news, breaking news. Anyway, um, what happened? It disappeared and came back about an hour later. Was that Facebook or Twitter? Uh, it was Facebook. So Facebook took it down. When we first posted a link to Amazon on my book, Unfreedom of the Press, I had no idea. Mr. Producer would later tell me they took it down for an hour. For an hour. I guarantee you they never took down Michelle Obama's link to her book or all the rest of them. And they put it back before I came on the air. And if I'd known about it, of course, I would have really hammered them over it, but is there something controversial about writing a book and putting a link on Facebook? It's really quite amazing. They kind of prove the point, don't they? Yeah, I think they do. All right, let's go to Nick. Las Cruces, New Mexico. XM Satellite. Quickly, go. Mark, baby, I love you. Thank you so Thank much you, for taking my call. I You're appreciate welcome. it. Thank you. Uh, Long time, I discovered you uh, about nine years ago. I called, I think, about uh, four years ago. 
talked right before the Trump election about how I was so happy. Nick, Nick, I, so I, think- I uh, unfortunately, I don't want to cut you off. So hang on. I'm going to bring you on the next hour. I didn't see the clock properly. Uh, so don't don't hang up. We'll be right back with Nick and the rest of you. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I want to get into this health care debate shortly. The Democrats think they have a good argument. They like Soviet-style health care. They think that's a winner. I think it's a loser. Before we get into that, there was this piece at Breitbart.com that, that drew my attention a couple of days ago, and I'm just now getting to it. Here's the headline. Wikipedia editors paid to protect political tech and media figures. Wikipedia? You know how I despise Wikipedia. When you go and look what they've written about me, you don't even know it's me. Liberals go on there and they write about me and they write nasty stuff. By T.D. Adler, a report in Huffington Post recently revealed the case of Wikipedia editor Ed Sussman. Ed Sussman, who was paid by media clients such as NBC and Axios to help diminish critical material. Paid editors operating in a similar manner to Sussman have worked on behalf of CNN contributor Hillary Rosen and the CEOs of Reddit and Intel, among other clients. Other conduct by Sussman not covered by the Huffington Post shows him authoring fluff pieces by NBC executives and getting his proposed changes approved by another paid Wikipedia editor. The report by Ashley Feinberg detailed former journalist Ed Sussman's work as a paid Wikipedia fixer for clients such as Axios, NBC, and Facebook. Sussman did his work through the firm White Hat Wiki, and he, argue, and, uh, and he argues follows Wikipedia policies. Sussman disclosed his paid editing at Wikipedia and ostensibly worked within the rules by having other editors approve proposed changes. You all... If you go on Wikipedia, I want you to see what they've written about me, your beloved host. I want you to look. If you get past the first third or half of it, just take a look. 
However, Feinberg's article noted several assessments requests involve removing or watering down potentially damaging material about clients, even when citing sources considered reliable on the site. They also showed one of these articles. I don't remember if it was Huff- Huffington Post or something else. This big fat slob who uh, spends uh, half his life going on Wikipedia and editing it and writing things in there. Yeah, oh, oh it's true. You cannot trust Wikipedia. If you want to go to Wikipedia and look at the endnotes or the footnotes and go to original sources to dig stuff up, fine. But the left-wing hack commentary is to be ignored. All right, lots to do. Not enough time to do it. Let's go to healthcare, shall we? AOC, AOC, a Democratic Marxist, if you will. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on Capitol Hill today, 29 years old. She likes to say a year ago she was waiting tables. I have no problem with that. She got elected to Congress. My problem is she's a nut. Now, Obama, his entire administration, that is Obamacare, Trump's entire administration is trying to destroy our beloved Obamacare. Cut eight, go. Were you pretty shocked that the administration took this move, or is this like just you think the next thing after the Mueller report? I'm not shocked because... Yeah, why? Why? President Trump, I mean... I'm not shocked because this entire administration and the Republican Party seems hell-bent on making health care more expensive. It's skyrocketing prescription drug rate. Okay, see, she's an idiot. Now, they're in the hallway, obviously. Somebody's chasing her down. I'm not shocked because this entire administration, the entire Republican Party seems hell-bent on making health care more expensive and skyrocketing prescription drug prices. There are tens of millions of you who are Republicans. Do you want your drug prices to go up? Do you want your health care prices to go up? Do we really have to deal with this kind of stupidity? Is this a real debate? So in other words, if you don't favor iron-fisted, centralized government control over you, your doctor, your prescription drugs, and all the rest, then you want health care prices to go up? Really? I want health care prices to go down. Now, how do we get health care prices to go down? Ladies and gentlemen, why do we have an antitrust division? Why do we demand competition in capitalism? Why do we demand transparency in pricing and so forth in capitalism? Because we all want to drive prices up so people can't afford things? Now, how stupid is that? Why would Republicans try to get elected to office by arguing for higher health care prices and higher drug prices? So this is how the left works, and this is why they have to be unraveled when you get into these debates with them. It is they who want to turn our entire health care system into the Veterans Administration. It is they who want to bog us down in red tape and higher prices. Not us. We want to break this system. We want to open up this system. We resist it. We're part of the resistance. We want to see something called, may I say, competition. Now, the leftists always talk about breaking up monopolies in the private sector while they're building up the biggest, most powerful monopoly in the world, the federal government. Does that make sense to anybody? If we had a private company that ran all our health care, would you like that? No, you wouldn't like that. So if government runs all our health care, that's good. Tell me why. Are the people in government smarter? No. 
Are they more noble? No. Are they more compassionate? No. Do they know better what the hell they're doing? Hell no. So why do we want politicians and bureaucrats running our health care? And yet, if you don't support it, apparently you want skyrocketing health care prices. Now, most of us have what we call a family, and we don't want prices going through the roof. We have children and grandchildren. We have spouses. Why would we want health care prices to go through the roof? Why do we have to debate with such stupid people over such stupid allegations? But she's not alone. Julian Castro. I can just see this guy getting elected president. And like Cuba, we'll have a President Castro. Can you imagine that, Mr. Producer? Raul Castro, meet Julian Castro. Oh, the Castro brothers. And can you tell any difference between the two? Not really. Not really. Julian's a left-wing kook. Now, where does he stand on health care? Cut nine, go. The Affordable Care Act, uh, at one point, before this administration started to sabotage it. Ah, uh, that's it. It would be running perfectly, ladies and gentlemen, like all the other programs the left has created. Like all the train systems they've created in California, all the tunnel systems they created in Baltimore, like our immigration system. It would be running so beautifully, so perfectly, but for the fact that the Trump administration is sabotaging Obamacare. Go ahead. 20 million more people were able to get affordable health care coverage. Let's explain that. They expanded Medicaid, ladies and gentlemen. That is, they expanded welfare. And more and more people were able to get on Medicaid welfare because they raised the income limits. They didn't create a more vibrant health care system. They didn't drive down costs in health care. They didn't create more competition in health care. They didn't create more policies that you might want to choose or tailor to your liking, to your own health care situation, your own budget situation, or that of your family. They put more people on the government payroll, uh, on the government uh, welfare rolls. And they said 20 more people, million people have affordable health care. No, 20, more pe- 20 million more people have Medicaid, and many people are not happy with Medicaid. So they didn't do anything other than expand government. Right, Mr. Castro? Guy's perfect. Go ahead. And uh, it is something else to watch a president and a party uh, that get their kicks out of hurting people. Well, that's it, you see. We want the prices to go up and we get our kicks out of hurting people. You see, somehow, ladies and gentlemen, what the president's doing would only affect uh, affect Democrats, not Republicans. And they're really getting a kick out of hurting people. And driving up the cost of health care. So these people lie through their teeth. They don't want an honest debate. They don't want to have to defend iron-fisted centralized government. They never do. Why? Because they always paint pictures of pie in the sky. Utopia. Paradise. They're not going to deal with reality because when it comes to reality, their plans are impossible. They're disastrous. Healthcare costs have gone way up. Under the Affordable Care Act. That's the other thing the left and the government does. It's the opposite of what they say. Look at that, the Department of Education. No, it's not. It's the Department of 
no education. Look at that, the Department of Agriculture. No, it's the Department Against Agriculture. Look at that, the Department of Energy. No, it's the Department Against Energy. I love driving into Washington. Well, I really don't. But now and then when I do, we pass this this very interesting-looking building. Must have cost an absolute fortune. It's a government building. You know what it's called, Mr. Producer, as I recall? The Institute of Peace. What do the people do there every day? Uh-uh. What do you do there at the Institute of Peace? The Institute of Peace, as far as I'm concerned, is called the Defense Department, the Pentagon. Mark Lovin. Let's have a little fun. Let's look at the top selling books right now at Amazon. Mine comes out on the 21st of May, but pre-orders. First book's called Supermarket. It's the number one book on Amazon of all books. Do you have any idea what that's about, Mr. Producer? It's a novel. I think I'm going to write a novel next time about the gas station. A lot of things that go on at a gas station. Are you aware of that, Mr. Producer? You fill up your car, maybe you wash your windshield, you put the cap back on the gasoline tank, Maybe you go into the store. There's typically 7-Eleven type stores. You go in there. Maybe you play the lottery. Pick up, uh, you know, Snickers bar. Walk around a little bit. Then you, you know what? I'm going to get a Slurpee too. Then you, I need some napkins. I could see a whole novel written around that, Mr. Producer. The next book, these are fictions. Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. That's number two. Number three, The Path Made Clear, Discovering Your Life's Direction and Purpose. I got to write one of those books, too. You notice how well they do? There's also books that use the F word on the cover. They sell great. Books about lesbians. These books, they just sell. I I got to tap into this. I'm just kidding. No, but I got to. Now, what's next? Number four, Becoming by Michelle Obama. Becoming. This is a super best-selling book by Michelle. It, it is. It's been on this list forever. And she's number four. Can't wait to, wait to read it, can you? Number five, We Are the Gardeners. I don't know. I think that's a kid's book. Number six is a very good book, The Right Side of History, How Reason and Moral Purpose Made the West Great, by our buddy Ben Shapiro. Number seven, Girl, wash your face. Stop believing the lies about who you are so you can become who you were meant to be. That's number seven. I have no idea what that means, but I'm all in favor of washing your face. Number eight, Educated, a memoir by uh, Tara Westover. Mr. Bidu, who's Tara Westover? Number nine, Unfreedom of the Press. Unfreedom of the press is losing to where the crawdads sing. (laughs) Excuse me. Or the supermarket. Michelle Obama. Nobody believes she wrote that book. Do they? You ever listen to her incoherent speeches? May I say that? May I say? I think I will say that. 
Number 10, it's not easy being a bunny. That's not Playboy, it's a bunny. Number 11, Howard Stern comes again. I'm sure you can't wait for that one, Mr. Producer. Number 12, the matriarch, Barbara Bush, and the making of an American dynasty. Number 13, girl, stop apologizing. A shame-free plan for embracing and achieving your goals. (laughs) Number 14, can't hurt me, master your mind and defy the odds. Actually, a good book by David Goggins. Next is a kid's book, Raise Your Hand. So for, let's see here. Oh, who's that? Stacey Abrams wrote a book. Sure she did. Lead from the outside. How to build your future and make real change. Stacey Abrams, ladies and gentlemen. She's number 20 on the list. Want to hear more, Rich? Number 21, The Dirt. Confessions of the world's most notorious rock band. I never heard of that rock band, did you? Means nothing. Number 22, the five love languages. The secret to love that... Wasn't this on the list like three books ago that I wrote? Must be... It is. That's Chapman's book. Number 23, the wonky donkey. Number 24, point of view, a fresh look at faith and freedom. Number 25, it's not supposed to be this way, finding unexpected strength when disappointments leave you shattered. These are long titles on these books. I'll just do 30 of them. Number 26, the life-changing magic of tidying up. The Japanese art of decluttering and organizing. Well, that, that, that I gotta have. Number 27, the silent patient. And that's what'll happen when you have government-run health care. Shut up and get in line. Number 28, Runaway. Number 29, The Four Agreements, A Practical Guide to Personal Freedom. Number 30, Dog Man, Brawl of the Wild, from the creator of Captain Underpants. Obviously a kid's book. Number 36, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. There you go. I mean, that's what I mean. Maybe I'll write a book as chairman of crap, Mr. Producer. Caucasians rejecting uh, Anglo uh, privilege. But I have to say, I must give the title of President of Crap to our dear friend, uh, the train driver, the train rider, uh, Amtrak, uh, Mr. Biden. He's Caucasian rejecting Anglo privilege. He's running on a crap ticket. And as far as I'm concerned, He's filled with inspiration. He's full of crap. And so we'll give that over to him. Anyway, this is quite an odd list of books. And uh, you might want to take a look at this. I'll be right back. Wait a minute. I got 40 seconds yet. I misread the clock. Well, I won't be right back. I don't recommend reading all those books if I were you or looking at the uh, pictures of all those books. If I, I mean, Honestly, you got to be very selective about what you read. I'm very selective about what I read. But I looked at that list, and I can see like three books that interest me. Maybe that's just me. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. 
LeFan Show, the pool feed for the conservative media. Dive in now, 877-381-3811. You remember there was talk months and months and months ago, at least in the media, where the various lawyers were leaking and so forth, or their surrogates, that maybe Trump would be interviewed by the Mueller team. Remember that, Mr. Producer? And the president was willing to be interviewed. Some of his lawyers thought he should be interviewed. Remember what we said here? No way. Over and over again. What else did we say here? He can answer questions in writing, so he has time to reflect on them and to uh, think about what he has said in the past with the assistance of his lawyers. That's the way he should. This isn't a get-me-perjury thing. This is, do they want accurate answers or not? But under no circumstances should he answer any questions respecting his constitutional power to fire Comey. He needs to protect the office of the president. Under no circumstances should he comply with a subpoena to appear in person, whether in front of a grand jury or anywhere else. They should not compromise on this point. They should go all the way to the Supreme Court. I said it behind this microphone. I said it on Fox. I said it everywhere where anyone could hear it, including the president. And he did when some of his lawyers were going wobbly. When some of them were going wobbly. It turned out to be the right decision, didn't it? I also pointed out here that a president cannot be indicted while he's president. Whether or not you agree with that conclusion constitutionally, the fact is that has been the long-standing position of the United States Department of Justice. Why did I have to keep saying that behind this microphone? Why did I have to keep saying that on TV? Because so-called legal analysts, former professors at Harvard, former New Jersey judges and so forth, they kept talking about potential indictment or contempt of a president who doesn't comply with a subpoena. And I had to keep pointing out multiple times that the president cannot be indicted while he's in office. That's the official position of the Office of Legal Counsel and the broader Department of Justice, and that Mr. Mueller is forced to comply with that, as is every single United States Attorney General. Excuse me, United States Attorney. It's important to remember these things, because nobody else will. It's very important to remember these things, because nobody else will. That the appointment of Mr. Mueller in the first instance violated Department of Justice's own regulations because there was no criminal predicate. None. We pointed that first on the radio here too. None. The fact that there had been a FISA application. We pointed that out first too. A successful application. Not because I was privy to any secret information. On the contrary wasn't secret information. It was in the media for crying out loud. So we knew that there had in fact been at least an an application sought for one under the FISA court more than once. We pointed that out. We were right about that. I don't do this to pat myself on the back. I do this to explain why you spend the time listening to this program. We don't do afterthoughts here. We don't do Me Too-isms here. We do fresh thinking. We do rational thinking based on experience, based on substance, based on research. That's what I do. 
And now we'll get into this issue of impeachment. We've talked about that at length. And as this goes on and on and on, you're going to want to stick with me here, too. I can tell you during the Bill Clinton impeachment, uh, Landmark Legal Foundation, of which I am now chairman, I'm not, re- uh, I'm not active in the everyday activities there, but I am chairman. Back in those days, we actually secured a copy of the transcript from the House of Representatives and the United States Senate in the impeachment and trial of Andrew Johnson. And we studied it. And that's among the reasons I know more about impeachment than any other human being on TV or radio. And we've studied the history of impeachment. We've studied the language. You'll hear people just blithely say, well, they can do whatever they want. It's a political. It's not political. It's constitutional. There's a difference. If it was purely political, the framers in Philadelphia wouldn't have spent so much time talking about it. And they did spend a lot of time talking about it and going over the words they wanted to use. Treason, bribery, high crimes, and misdemeanors. You actually have people out there who think by misdemeanors they mean like parking tickets. That's not at all what they meant. It had a completely different meaning back then, and it was based on British common law. One proposal was that a president could be impeached for maladministration. James Madison stood up and said, no, that's much too uh, an ambiguous word, and that's too low of a standard. What does that mean? And we're going to have a discussion about this as time goes on. We've talked about separation of powers at length. We've talked about what the Congress does and does not have a right to under Article 1 in terms of oversight hearings. We've talked about what the president can do under Article 2 in terms of uh, releasing classified information, FISA applications, and so forth. We spent the last two years, as we have my entire career on radio, going very, very deep into the Constitution, into the rule of law, how it applies. I've had to correct a lot of people who've been on TV, and I haven't been able to use their names because some of them work for the same network that I do in my hour show. But they've said things that have been absolutely inaccurate. We've talked about those so-called campaign violations they claim the president has made and that are a danger to him. The Southern District of New York could bring those charges, and they will lose. Because the president didn't commit any campaign law violations, period. We've discussed that at length. The campaign law, the FEC's view of those campaign of that campaign law, and we've had uh, no less an expert on here once or twice as the former chairman of the FEC, Brad Smith. We've talked about that. As recently as this weekend, you had people on cable TV saying that the President of the United States could have been indicted in secret and under seal. And I said, no, he couldn't have been and he wouldn't have been. And one of these individuals said that, in fact, it was encouraged by one of the memos that the Justice Department had issued. I read the memos the Justice Department issued and they say exactly the opposite. They discourage any kind of a secret under seal indictment because they say it would leak and could potentially cripple a presidency. 
I am quite frankly exhausted from former federal prosecutors, former professors, and former state judges who go on TV and pretend they know this stuff when they don't to fill time. It's pretty damn outrageous. Virtually every legal analyst said the president had a collusion issue of one sort or another. Some went further than others. I said, no, he doesn't have a collusion problem. You can go on the Internet and see all this. In fact, I said the president is in no legal trouble whatsoever. People say, what are you talking about? I said there's no collusion and there can't be obstruction. There is no collusion and there can't be obstruction. If he's subpoenaed, fight it. Go to the Supreme Court, you'll win. And I was right. And Mr. Mueller didn't subpoena the President of the United States. Why? Because he'd lose. That's why. Mr. Mueller made a decision, Mr. Dershowitz. He decided not to charge. However he puts it in his report, he didn't charge. He didn't charge for two reasons, ladies and gentlemen. There was no obstruction. He would have lost the uh, subpoena matter. And you can't indict a sitting president. Exactly what I keep saying over and over and over again. So even former federal prosecutors can comprehend what I'm saying. It's important to be right when you're getting into the details like this and not to mislead the American people, which is what most of the rest of the press did. So let me circle back. Virtually every one of these legal analysts on CNN, on MSNBC, and yes, on some of the other cable networks should be fired. Should be fired as a lawyer should be fired for malpractice. They committed media slash legal malpractice. They should be fired. Along with numerous journalists, so-called. That'll never happen. But if you present yourself as a legal analyst, and you are wrong over and over and over again, then why don't you get the hook? Why don't networks give them the hook? Well, they should. But they won't. For the reasons I explained in the first hour and the reasons I've explained in unfreedom of the press. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. know all these things, ladies and gentlemen. I was chief of staff to an attorney general. We were dealing with two independent counsel investigations at the same time. Iran-Contra and WedTech. How else did I know? When I left the Department of Justice, I represented uh, with Landmark Legal, Attorney General Meese in the Iran-Contra matter. I litigated against the independent counsel, Lawrence Walsh, at the time. Not a single other legal analyst on TV or constitutionalist has done anything that I've done in this regard. That's how I knew. That's how I know the arguments. I don't come on this program and just pretend. I don't come on this program, beat my chest. I don't come on this program and just regurgitate what other people say. And I don't need guests to tell me what to think. Have you ever wished you knew more about how politics and our Constitution work? Can you explain the differences between capitalism and socialism? 
Wish you knew more about American history? Well, I have good news for you. It's not too late to learn no matter how busy you are, no matter how long you've been out of high school or college. And you can do it for free. Hillsdale College is a service to our country. Has free online courses that provide a taste of the core curriculum that every Hillsdale College student takes. The core that teaches how to think critically and act virtuously. And it can help you, too. And getting started is very simple. Just sign up for one or more of Hillsdale's most popular online courses, which are free. Free. And you can start learning whenever you like. Visit levinforhillsdale.com right now, and you'll be on your way to a rich, meaningful education. The registration page features these three online courses. They're free. F-R-E-E. And uh, they'll only be up for a few weeks. So stop wishing about it. Start learning about it. Register today for free at levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. And while we're at it, you know, hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy and you can have to go to one place, only one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. That's right. Now, ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there. They have powerful new technology, matching technology. ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. And as applicants come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each application and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, you, my listeners... You can try ZipRecruiter for free, free, at this exclusive website, ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin, because ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. How much time do I have, Rich? Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something, and I may get into this a little bit more tomorrow, depending on what's cooking. We're in a fight here. We're in a campaign on this Amazon site. You need to understand, the New York Times puts out its bestseller list. The New York Times does not want me to be number one on their bestseller list when my book is released in May. They don't want me to be number one because they don't like me. We've been number one five times in a row. You want to know why? Because of you. But here's what I want to tell you. It's not enough for me and you with one of my books to beat the competition by a, three, by a few thousand book sales. I have to win by like 20,000 book sales or they ding me. That'll be especially true in a book called Unfreedom of the Press. You get my point? Where I have an entire chapter on the New York Times called The New York Times Betrays Millions. Now, do you think the New York Times book review page, and those who are cloistered in the shadows at the New York Times want my book, number one on the New York Times bestseller list? The answer is no. And they're going to do everything they can to make sure that that doesn't happen. They're going to keep pushing Michelle Obama, Michelle Obama, Michelle Obama, that they're pushing now. Maybe they'll push Howard Stern. I don't know what they'll push. But I'm counting on you, the same people who voted me into the Radio Hall of Fame, the same people who come to the airwaves every single night 
whether it's my podcast, whether we're on satellite, whether on AMFM, whether it's on a Mark Levin app or iHeartRadio app, or whether you're listening to streaming on the computer, you're going to make the difference. It's almost like a campaign, unfortunately. They want Michelle Obama to win. I got it. They want the book on the supermarket to win. I got that too. This is a very, very important book. Not because I wrote it, because it's very important. It confronts, it addresses the issue of freedom of the press and what's happening in this country right before your eyes. It is a propitious thing that this book is coming out now. It wasn't planned that way. I've spent a year on it. And it exposes them, their history, their conduct, their ideology. Not what you hear every day or see on TV or radio every day. Information that I feel you really need to know, or I wouldn't make, take but the time to write a book like this. And there's been a lot of tragedy in my family in the last year, but I was committed to doing this anyway. This kept me going in many respects. So if you have the mind to order it, I would encourage you to do it now. Just pre-order it. Go to Amazon.com or any of the major links out there from Barnes & Noble, the other bookstores and so forth. Go to Walmart. And I would encourage you to do it because come May 21, when this book hits the retail stores, we're going to hit this very, very hard. We're going to name names. We're going to name news organizations. We're going to get into great detail and substance. I think you'll find it compelling and entertaining. And that's the key. This book, as I said, is very much like liberty and tyranny. Very much like liberty and tyranny. All right. Those of you who enjoyed liberty and tyranny. Let's see if we can finish with a call or two. Sheldon, Valencia, California. 870 The Answer. Go. Hey. Mark, I love the way you uh, you explain things conceptually. I think that's why Trump's winning also. Anyway... Um, I think it's crazy in California with the governor or whoever else that lets illegals out of prison who kill somebody and then they get to kill you again. Why can't we get some indemnification and use use a legal tort tort law to go after them? Uh, because it won't work. Uh, government has sovereignty on these policy types issues. Let's go to Avi quickly. Waterbury, Connecticut. How are you, sir? Hey, Mark. Yesterday you had opened the show talking about that you were coming out with a new book. And it prompted me to call. The last time I spoke to you was in 2009. I was 12 years old, and you had just written Liberty and Tyranny. And I called your show, and I didn't really do a good job on the air. I don't remember what it was about. Avi, call back tomorrow. i got to run. I apologize. That music means uh, the, dead, the, the deadline's coming for the end of the program. I apologize. We salute all you heroes out there, and thank you, Levinites. Thank you for everything. I'm very blessed to have you. I'll see you tomorrow. 